Turf Business TV are in Ipswich today and we're joined by a familiar face to the industry. Uh, been away for a little while there in, in the States. David with us. What are you up to now then, David? A new, new venture since January? Yes, it's actually been quite an interesting time really. So um, after 25 years or just under of a great time at uh, Textron with Ransoms, Jacobson and, uh, and all those uh, other brands there, I uh, moved back to the UK last year and then had the opportunity to set this up uh, beginning this year. So yeah, January the 1st, <laughs> I was actually back at work. And uh, yeah, so here we are in Ipswich, kind of spookily familiar to me um, and just around the corner from uh, my old place there at Ransoms, but yeah, in our new business now, Izeki UK and Ireland, and it's, uh, yeah, it's been exciting. It's a new business, but it's not really a new business, is it? It's a brand you know well. No, I mean, that is one of the joys of this whole uh, opportunity that came up, really, was, I mean, I've known Izeki since um, 95, I guess, um, and in fact, I, you know, we were part of the team that pulled together getting Izeki uh, franchise for Jacobson back in 96, that was actually before the acquisition of Ransoms even, which was in right. 98. So yeah, Izeki joined us in 96, um, and, and I've known those guys since then. And uh, so yeah, very, very familiar personally uh, with the product. And then obviously the product itself is very, very well known and accepted throughout Europe and in the UK, been uh, selling in Europe now for 50 years. And uh, so yeah, an established brand uh, who people I knew and then, yes, as you said, uh, the team that I have here, yeah. I'm very, very fortunate and blessed <laughs> with in that, you know, they were really the core of the Izeki team at Ransoms who transferred across to us when the, when the franchise moved. So brand new facility here, big yeah. investment for you personally as well. Yes, I'm a part shareholder uh, in the business as, uh, as well as Izeki. So, uh, yeah, yeah, investment for all of us. So something you feel very strongly about then and obviously are passionate about this particular brand, I would guess. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, actually. I mean, Izeki, you know, is probably not as well-known a brand as a John Deere or Kubota or, or, or one of these other guys, but the quality of the product is just unbelievable. And so I've always had that great respect for the product and the people, actually, and their processes and how, how they do their business. But, but the product itself is just so good, yeah. so reliable, uh, and really with some good, unique selling features. I mean, I, you know, without making this a sales thing sure. or whatever, but there's two really key things. So with the actual mowing equipment, there is nothing that cuts and collects like an Izeki, like an Izeki mower. You know, all mowers will cut and collect in the dry. Very few will cut and collect well in the wet. When it's wet and lush and you get the spring growth coming through. And the Izeki is just unbelievable at that. And so it's been one of the key selling points there is that cut and collect. And then as you move up to the tractors themselves, it's that power to weight ratio. We've always been able to have a relatively lightweight tractor, so we're not putting a huge amount of compaction down, not a lot of stress on the turf, but still with great lift capacity and more power uh, than typically our competitors have. So those really are our two USPs, uh, and have been for all the time that I've certainly been involved with uh, Ezeki, which is, as I said, 20, 20 plus years. Do you think this new setup and route to market would have been a surprise or a shock for your colleagues across the road at Ransoms? So uh, I don't think it would have been uh, very much, to be honest. We, we um, if we go back, what, five, six years, uh, Izeki actually invested in their German distributor. Um, so they were now a part owner of their German distributor. And then a few years ago, they actually bought outright their French distributor. Right. And I think overall, maybe not, particularly from a strategy point of view at that point, but having done those investments, 
I think they started to feel more comfortable with that type of distribution where the majority of the business, you know, the majority of the turnover of the distributor was coming from Izeki product. People were waking up every morning thinking, if I don't sell Izeki product, I'm not going to be able to pay the mortgage. Well, that's a good, you know, as a manufacturer, I can speak from, from, part, yeah. from my past history, that's a good thing to have with your distribution. You know, where you get a very, um, uh, where the Izeki franchise is a very small amount of the turnover of the business, maybe there's less of that because, oh, well, if I didn't sell the Izeki, maybe I sold the whatever other product it was that I was going to sell. So I think that idea of having a more focused distributor uh, across Europe in all, all the different countries and with a investment from the manufacturer so that they feel more in control and they have more control yeah. of the business is something that I think they've been leaning towards. And, uh, and so, you know, when you look at it, there's three big markets in Europe, France, Germany, and the UK. They've done this in Germany, yeah. they've done it in France, and, and now it's kind of moved on to the UK. So I think, you know, to answer your question specifically as to whether this was really a, you know, a sh surprise shock, whatever, uh, for, for ransoms and those guys, I mean, they'd have to speak for themselves, but I don't think it would have been certainly a strategic shock. Okay. It might have been a surprise as to exactly the timing or whatever. Sure. But I think the idea that Izeki were going to do this at some point would not have been um, not have been something that would have been a surprise to them. So, what does that focus now mean for the customer at the end of the day? So, I think what we've really got to do, and, and Ransoms did a really good job, I think, with Izeki, particularly in Gulf and municipalities, that local authority business, because that's their bread and butter, right? That's that's yeah. where they sell their Jake with the the Gulf, and then and then Ransoms into the local authority business, and that's great. So, we need to continue to grow in those areas. You know, make sure that we've got you know great products available. We've got a good route to market, and we continue to support those areas. But there are other markets as well. So, for example, you know, agriculture. You know, the bottom end of the agricultural market: dairy, uh, hobby farmers, the uh, glass houses, horticulture, places like that, where we should be selling more tractors with agricultural tires. Yeah. You know, one of the things that was interesting as I spent some time with my colleagues uh, who are other distributors around Europe is a lot of them are like 60-40 agricultural tyres to turf tyres. So they sell more actually with ag tyres than they do with turf tyres. Yeah. We would be totally the inverse of that. We would be probably 80-20 or even 90-10 yeah. turf to ag. And so, you know, there's clearly a market there that in the rest of Europe people are getting to, the Yaziki distributors are getting to, for that market that demands ag tyres. Sure. Let's, let's just characterise it that way. And so I think whilst we, we absolutely continue and believe that we have an opportunity to grow our market share and our market presence and get higher volumes into the turf side of the business, I also feel like there's an opportunity for us to get into some of those ag spaces and, uh, and, and uh, you know, sh enable us to sell those really good, unique selling features that I mentioned earlier into another market sector. So that's how I see it. I think we're very much looking at segmenting the market out okay. and say we need a marketing strategy for golf. We need a marketing strategy for our local authority municipality businesses. We need a market, uh, we need a strategy for, 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 for ag and, and that area and horticulture and so on. And so we're starting to build that together so that we can have a more coherent uh, drive into all those different market sectors. So you talk about new sectors there. Does that mean a, a bigger footprint and possibly new dealers? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. We've got, 
you know, I can think of one uh, area down uh, in the, uh, towards the west coast where I've got a turf dealer and an ag dealer almost side by side. But actually, this guy never buys anything with turf tyres and this guy never buys anything <laughs> with agricultural tyres. And so they're clearly going in through different doors. Yeah. You know, they're talking to different people. They're going into different customer bases. And so I think there will be an opportunity for us to do that kind of thing. Um, I think the, the final sector there, you know, I mentioned ag, you know, if you like, in, in the broadest sense, and then, and then turf here. And the final thing really is that domestic market, yeah. if you like. You know, the guy who's got two acres of ground, maybe he had a little petrol mount field or westward or something like that, and he wants to move up to something that can cope with the lush spring conditions. He wants a diesel for that extra power and reliability. You know, those guys, typically, they call in to a dealership. And, and again, that's sometimes a very different type of dealership to the professional guys yeah. who are calling on golf. And so, so we need to have that balance, but we've got to make sure within all of this, and I've always been had this kind of attitude, that we're successful when our dealers are successful. And I need my dealers to make money out of Izeki. So they invest, so that when they wake up every morning, they're thinking about Izeki. We, you know, you're competing for space in these dealerships and you're competing for attention and the way you typically get their attention is by being really good at parts service and backup yep. fine need to do that the product itself needs to be great but also we need to be easy to do business with and we need to have it that you know the marketing material is good and that we're promoting it and so so, so there's a way of doing that and so i don't want dealers to feel nervous about what we're going to do because I'm absolutely invested in the idea that all of my dealers should be making money okay. and uh, and I think that's important I don't want to go down this route where which some manufacturers I won't name them but some manufacturers have a little bit of an attitude which is well you know I don't care you know as long as the metal moves it doesn't matter to me and I think short term that's fine but I don't think it gives you those long-term partnerships that I, I personally think you need in this industry companies are constantly bringing out new products but are you going to add to products that exist in the Iziki range that don't necessarily come into this country yet? Yeah, so it's quite interesting actually. I mean, obviously there's kind of the, um, I don't want to say routine, but that, that upgrading of the products that typically yeah. happens every couple of years, that cycle that we're in, you know, of, the, of uh, an existing product getting an upgrade. Um, so obviously that is continuing out there with the, um, some new products that will come through over the next coming years. But the other thing that is an opportunity for us is there are some products that, that uh, previous distributor didn't bring in um, that we are looking at now. So these are existing Izeki products, but they simply haven't been offered to the UK market before. And so we're looking at a couple of them, um, you know, which Can might be interested. Yeah, actually, they're, they're all towards that domestic part of okay. the market, actually. It's not a big change for our core, you know, tractors, big diesel mowers. It's more down into that robotic space um, right. and, uh, and also even the petrol uh, ride on space so it's those type of products uh, that we're considering um, we're well, looking we'll at right now it. yeah exactly we, we, we'll, to me it kind of makes sense that um, you know if, if I think about that segmentation that I talked about you know those domestic guys you know who typically don't have reps they're just people you drive past and you go, oh, I'd like to buy a mower and you could call in yeah. there and maybe you bought your chainsaw from there last year and now you need a mower and you call in at the same place. Those kind of guys do sell those, those type of products and maybe that would make us more of a compelling offering yeah. um, in there rather than just being what we typically are, which is the very top end of their, their offering. You know, if you think about they have petrol lawn mowers and stuff like that, which is relatively cheap and then we typically are the highest uh, highest priced, high, you know, highest spec 
uh, point um, mower that they sell. So, so it might give us a, a broader breadth with those guys. How do you think the market's going to shape up over the next few years? I mean, Brexit's an unknown, but is that good or bad news? I don't think the market is going to boom, but nor do I think it's going to bust. I yeah. think we will see you know, a degree of stability uh, in the marketplaces. You, you know, agriculture can be quite political, so you don't know quite what's going to happen when all that common agricultural policy stuff unwinds mm. and, and things like that. To be honest, it's going to affect us a lot less than the big ag boys who, who are going to have that perhaps. So I think for us, particularly if we can maintain this blend of markets, it would be very unlikely that all markets at the same time you know, had a disaster. <laughs> I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but it would be unlikely, I think, that all of those would. Brexit, I think the main impact of Brexit for us will be what happens to sterling. Yeah. You know, we're an importer at the end of the day. You know, sterling movement makes a difference to us. And then if we truly get frictionless trade, I mean, you know, as I mentioned before, Ezeki have um, uh, France and Germany. We do trade products and parts within the three of us quite freely. Sure. Um, so, you know, I might look at a part that I need, customer needs it urgently, I've gone out of stock. Oh, there's one in France. So rather than waiting for it to come from Japan, I could just pull it out of France. They do the same with us. We do the same, you know. So there's that pretty easy movement of goods and services around between ourselves, Germany and France, which I hope is continued somehow within whatever we end up with. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to end up where, you know, that's suddenly a big deal uh, to ship stuff back and forth. So the, that's the major wrinkle. I think that would be the major wrinkle, and then just if there was a bad hit on the currency, personally, I think the currency will do this. It typically does. Um, you know, you get some bad news in the in the news, and you know, it drops a couple of cents, and then you know, you get some good news, and back it goes. You know, it'll so find its level. It, it probably will. You know, they, these things usually, in the end, it kind of settles down. So, so we'll see.